Welcome back to the DC pod. I'm Christian alongside me, Darcy, where we cover all things basketball. Now it's been a minute since we last did a pod, so we are pumped to be back. Darcy, we've got to start as, as always, the listeners will know, the Mavs. Mm -hmm. How would you assess the last week to 10 days for your boys? Well, there's a big difference between a week and 10 days because the last (laughs) week has been trash, basically from the boys. A couple of um, no-show performances. But uh, if you extend that to ten or to twelve days, I think they're still we're still okay. We're we're hovering around five hundred lately since the All Star break, and um, I think we're we're not far away from potentially a big run. I think I'm not really concerned about this mini little bump. I think that we're going to come home as strong as any team in the league. Yeah, well, you do make a good point because if not for the insane Luca game winner against Memphis, you guys could have lost potentially, I think, four in a row or five in a row. So that does definitely turn out to be quite a crucial win for you guys, not only based on the opponent um, and how you guys will kind of be in a bit of a race to fight with them for um, seeding at the back end of the the West there, Um, but also because, yeah, obviously the next two or three games after that, there was a loss to Philly, my boys. There was a loss to Sacramento the other day and there was a loss to someone else I can't think of that was Houston. bad. Houston. Well, wasn't there someone else before that? Or was it Houston? Well, I feel there like- There was definitely a loss to Houston. The Spurs beat us with the Spurs. demand game. Winner. That's the Spurs. Yeah, yeah. So that's right. So it went the the game winner, then you lost to the DeMar DeRozan game winner, then Philly, then Sacramento, I think. Yeah. Well, before that, we lost to Houston. We lost to Houston in between a victory against Utah and one against Milwaukee. So uh, you're right. You beat yeah. the good. You beat the good teams, but then you got to take care of the not so good teams. Yeah, exactly. So that kind of puts you guys in a in an interesting spot. You say you, you think a runs around the corner. I mean, what I found BS about the the last game you played against Sacramento is because I was on Dallas. I had him. Um, I think I might've had him first half minus seven or minus eight, something like that. And uh, Terrence Davis oh. does <laughs> nothing, does nothing. And then shows up that game and has like 24 points. Doesn't miss from deep. It's, yeah. it's, it's so Sacramento. Um, so that was an unfortunate thing to come up against. Fox got hot. And obviously when that happens, he's like any player, can can suddenly become unguardable. That was a KP up and down game. He had one, a couple of really good games and then a, like a two for 15 shooting. And that's just the kind of stuff that we can't, can't have in those little, those lapses from him. One thing that's really crucial about, about Dallas coming down the stretch is like every time it feels like KP has a couple of good games and then he rests one and it feels like he needs a game or two to get himself back into the groove. It's like he's not getting that constant, you know, that constant flow of good games back to back to back. But I can understand why they're holding him out because, you know, we need him to play seven straight games in the playoffs, not seven straight games in the regular season. But it is very frustrating to watch those. Like game against Sacramento, Rashawn Holmes is out. Like why is Chris Stapps not scoring 30 in that game? It, it, it gets frustrating. Yeah, yeah. Um... So it'll be interesting to see how you guys go today. Surely at home against Detroit, you just like foot to the throat, just absolutely hammer them. Statement win. Um, 
and then you guys can start to start to get back on track. But Detroit do play hard, so that's no guarantee in itself. Um, Detroit are very feisty for whatever reason. So look, we will discuss a little bit about the MVP race because obviously that's been a hot topic of debate as of late. It's starting to get to crunch time really with the regular season wrapping up. So we'll look at some play-in scenarios that we think are likely to go down and uh, how the outcome will be heading into the playoffs. And then we'll finish off with um, guess that player. So kind of similar to what we're speaking about before the pod, uh, who he play for is what they do on TNT, but I'll uh, hit Darcy with um, some clues and he'll have a couple of chances at guessing what player that is. So that's the agenda, the rundown for today's pod, and uh, let's get cracking. Let's do it. Puts up the three, got hit, shot's good, and one! James Harden double-team and a chance for a four-point play. Okay, so the MVP debate, the two that are leading the way, and depending on who you want to speak to, it's in whatever order, but it's obvious that it's Jokic and Embiid. But Steph has been making a lot of noise with his ridiculous play as of late. Where do you sit with it all, Dice? I think... Every year it becomes it becomes a battle of what is the criteria? You know, what what yeah. are we actually giving this to the MVP for? Because I feel like Steph has kind of shown everyone that he is the most clutch best player in the league. In the, in the last stretch, it just feels like which player would you rather have on your team in, in a one-off game in the playoffs? I think Steph has kind of shown that he was he's that guy. And LeBron showed that he was that guy at the beginning of the year, pre-injured. So in terms of the MVP race where it is right now. Um, I don't know if Embiid can ever win an MVP just because if people are going to hold it against him that he's not playing certain games, then he's never ever going to win any awards because the fact is he needs to rest. Like he's, he's heavy, he's big, he takes a big physical pounding. That's that's his game. So from that standpoint, you know, that might write off, write off Embiid, but the dominance that he plays with, he doesn't necessarily rely on his all-around game to beat teams every night. Like, he has an advantage over the other team every game, and it's physically in underneath the basket, rebounding, scoring, drawing fouls. And he does that every game. And it's tough not to say that that's the most valuable asset when his team's sitting top of the Eastern Conference and every night he's, he's putting up insane numbers scoring the basketball. When you, when you compare him to Jokic, it's... They're both absolutely worthy of it. Jokic might be a little bit more durable, potentially, what he's done this year. And now that they're missing Murray, it kind of um, it shines a light on just how valuable he is. Even, you know, they could lose Murray like they have and still be such a strong team. And the way that he's been playing hasn't really changed at all. If you take Jokic out of that team, I really, I don't even know what that looks like yeah. because it's it's all built around him and... The efficiency that he is playing with, and he's filling up the stat sheet across the board more than Embiid. Like more assists, he's actually getting more, just as many rebounds, if not more, I think, 
physically playing the whole game, scoring at a high level, shooting over forty percent from three, like and it's 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 a good argument to have. I think both of them are um, are worthy for it. I think for me, I think Embiid's got the slight edge at this at this stage. What do you reckon? Yeah, so to sort of take the bias out of it, I know a ton of people are leaning heavily towards Jokic based on that availability factor. Um, I think it's going to come down to seeding. So mm-hmm. if Jokic can manage to keep the Nuggets in that top four, I think it's going to be hard to not give him the MVP. But if Denver was to slip and say fall out of the top four to the fifth seed and Embiid can keep playing the way he is and Philly hold on to that one seed well then shit if we don't have a serious discussion on our hands already then I think we will if that scenario plays out it'll be hard to not give it to the guy that's leading the way for the number one team in the east and I think if that scenario is to play out you can probably pretty comfortably overlook the fact that Embiid's missed 18 games this season and Jokic hasn't missed any and I'd assume down the stretch, you can probably add two or three more games to that for Embiid as well that he'll probably miss for just rest purposes. So it, it's probably going to end up being 20 plus games that Embiid's going to miss. And uh, I can see Jokic being rested for a couple games if that four seed's locked up at the end of uh, the regular season for Denver. But uh, yeah, I, I think seeding is going to be the the number one thing that that's going to determine this in the end. Because for the most part, you can say, look, Embiid doesn't play make potentially as much as Jokic does. Jokic passing is just another level. He rebounds the same. But then you could kind of counter that and being like, well, how actually good of a defender is Nikola Jokic? And look, maybe his league average. I don't actually know the stats or anything behind it, but it's like clear as day that for me that just the eye test and beat is better on that side of the ball. And he's so much more important to Philly's defense um, compared to if Jokic was missing, would Denver's defense change that much? I don't know, maybe a little bit, but if Embiid's missing their defense is it's, it's a joke for the most part, Philly's. Jokic, Jokic is definitely a good defender, a very good defender, but he, he doesn't have that, that dominant physical ability that, that, Embiid has, and we spoke about this when we broke down um, Luca struggling against the Sixers. That as good as Simmons is, and the fact that he's right up there, you know, number one or number two on the kind of the rankings of Defensive Player of the Year. I think Embiid is just as big a part, or just just as important as a defender for for Philly. I think when you've got good wing defense funneling players off the three point line into the key, you've got to have an amazing guy at the rim who's smart, tough, and got great timing. And I think, I think Embiid is right up there with, um, with Gobert and his ability to change shots and make it difficult for guys to score at the rim. So I think, um, yeah, it, that plays a part into, into the MVP discussion for sure, how good Embiid is defensively. But um, yeah, it's, 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 it's very tough to call because in the head-to-head matchups, Denver won both this year. And, and beat only only played one. I would love to see them go head to head one more time. Yeah, that would really be huge for the for the MVP race itself. They might. I just checked. I don't think they do. They oh, they don't play each other once. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit sad because I do remember at a at a critical point in the season last year, and uh, sorry, Giannis had a game against the Lakers. LA came into 
Milwaukee about, I think, yeah, 15, 20 games to go in the season. And Giannis had a monster game, triple-double. They took the win by four or five points. And um, Giannis did a big clutch dunk and then put the little crown on top of his head. So oh, that I kind remember of, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that kind of moment, you know, where could be huge down the stretch. And I don't know how much you caught of that um, double overtime performance from, from Jokic yesterday or the day uh, before. Not much, but, not much, yeah. But that was special. And okay. that's the kind of, those kind of statement games, I think, could make a difference. You know, who's able to have the biggest, most memorable performance in the last 15, 16 games to kind of take that mantle. And that could really could really steer the MVP conversation to, to one player or the other. Yeah. So we got a, well, it sucked in the end because Brooklyn didn't actually play KD, but Embiid obviously led the way to get the win over Brooklyn. He led the way to get the win over the Clippers. I wish yeah. I wish Kawhi was playing that game because it just makes it look much better if, you know, if we're able to get a win against a fully healthy team. So there's no asterisks against all these wins. But I think today could could potentially be a statement win for for Embiid and his MVP candidacy if we can no Simmons, no Harris um, up against Phoenix at home. Phoenix are playing everyone today. So if we can manage to pull that one out and Embiid's dominant, then you can add that to uh, his resume as well as something you can really uh, hold his hat on. So is there any hypothetical scenario that... So let's say, let's say Steph Curry continues his ridiculous run. Say he does it for another... I don't know. He doesn't have to do it to finish out the season, but say he does it for another week and it solidifies Golden State's position in that sort of top eight for the West or has them comfortably in for the play-in. Does that push Steph into anywhere in the actual discussion for, for MVP? Because I know he's in it at the moment, but mm. it's, we've just mm. mentioned it's pretty clear it's 1-2 to Embiid, Jokic, however you want to order it. But does, does Steph really mm. push himself into that, you know, three three man debate i i don't think i don't think you really can uh, yeah i think i think he's more of a fan mvp for me you know gotcha. favorite guy to watch this ah, absolutely incredible player to just see what he does every night you like it's you know what he's doing at certain times and yeah. you still are amazed when it goes in he is is a special special player but i think when it comes to that um that conversation that i kind of parallel what he's doing this year in a different way, similar to what Westbrook did when he won his MVP. What did they finish? Fifth, I think, in the West. Yeah, that's and a rare scenario. Because no one's really won the MVP when their teams finish that low in the yeah. standings. But yeah. it's just the sheer kind of amazement and the sheer, you know, something that we've never seen before. You know, something that's just, he's just playing on a special level that it doesn't really matter where his team's at as long as they're winning. He's just putting on such a show that he deserves some legitimate noise and some legitimate consideration to be the most valuable player. And there's no doubt that Golden State Warriors, that team is not very talented outside of Stephen Curry. You know, without Clay on the floor, that team really struggles for talent. And the way that he's playing right now, if he can keep this going for a couple more weeks, it'd be straight legendary stuff. But one thing that might be working against Steph a little bit is that he has had a season like this before. Obviously, his unanimous MVP season where he was just <laughs> the numbers, they, they parallel what he's doing right now. He's even scoring a little bit more at the moment. Yeah. But I suppose we take that for granted. But in the same way, you know, it, it's just, it feels like in some ways, okay, this is just another superstar Stephen Curry season. And 
it just hasn't had that bigger impact, I suppose, for him to be MVP. But for me, it's more of a, a fan MVP, I think, that he'll get. Yeah, no, nah, thoroughly enjoyable season nonetheless. This has been ridiculous to watch him. Um, and hopefully Clay comes back healthy and they can just continue on. But, yeah, this has been a legendary season for sure by Steph. Um, okay, so speaking about Golden State and the play-in, we've uh, come up with some scenarios did you want to take the lead or do you want me to take the lead? Because the thing I'll preface this by saying is, and I mentioned this to you, my understanding was it was 10 V seven and nine V eight as how the plan would work. But I was wrong. I found out that found that out the other day that it's actually seven V eight and nine V 10. So the winner of seven V eight gets the seven seed. The loser of that seven V eight game plays the winner of nine V 10 for the eight seed. So hopefully that's not too super confusing for um, people listening, but uh, that's the gist of, of how the plan scenarios actually work. So I know in the bubble, if you were the lower, uh, the lower, or the higher seed, if you were the worst seed, nonetheless, you had to win two games to get that plan spot, which is what Portland did to beat Memphis twice. And I'm not sure how the, uh, how the East panned out. I can't remember. There, was there a playing game for the East? No, no one was it. close it enough. Was that's right. You, you need to be within four. That's right. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So what what do you think for the East as your either fantasy or realistic or something you'd like to see for um, the playing games? I think I've gone with something that I think a matchup that that will be realistic, I feel, yeah. um, but also one that I, that I really want to see. I think when it comes down to the the eighth seed and who's going to be playing in that that final game for the last spot, I think as well as they've been playing, I think the Knicks might be in that matchup. And wow. I think, and the team is struggling a little bit is uh, the Hornets. I think they might drop down and get into this game, but I like them in a one game scenario. I really have enjoyed watching Charlotte this season and um, some, some positive news that, that the mellow ball might be returning. Definitely. He's, um, he's back to, um, back to basketball activities and could be back within a week or two. So that, that that's important for the Hornets. Yep. And uh, Gordon Haywood, I think if they are able to make into a play-in, originally the um, the timetable for him was was four weeks and that was at the beginning of April. So so I think we could we could see Gordon Haywood again before this season is all wrapped up. So yep. I like that about the Hornets. And um, just as I said this, you know, as I've written this about the Knicks, you know, like the, 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 a little bit of recency bias, but they're playing as good as any team in the league right now. Like yeah. seven and three over their last 10. Yeah. And there's no no doubt that them, along with the Hornets, the biggest underdog stories in the Eastern Conference, there's no doubt. Like no one thought that either of these teams would be in the playoffs. And right now they're both inside the eight, which is it's pretty freaking remarkable. It is. And I think I've, think the Hornets deserve a bit of respect because they've, you know, they've floated around 500 uh, even after these two pretty devastating injuries for their, for their lineup. What I, um, what, what I liked from New York the other day was they hit 18 threes in a game to close it out at home. And you look at their roster and it's just not that talented. Like, I don't know how they keep getting it done. They, they find ways to win and you got to give them some respect for that. The Hornets, um, in a matchup in between these two teams, I reckon it would be really interesting because the Hornets' strength is their their outside shooting and the way that they um the way they shoot from the perimeter. Um, with Gordon Haywood back in the fold, 
I reckon they're a very tough team because the consistency of, of Rozier this year has just been incredible. And I think he's proved he's proved before in Boston that he's a big time player and that he can get it done in the playoffs. So I'd love to see him in a matchup against against the Knicks. And what more can you say about the Knicks? Their defense has been awesome and basically on offense, it's a one man wrecking crew led by Julius Randle, guys. You know, he's he's thrusting himself into borderline, you know, MVP discussion. Yeah. Yeah. He he is averaging in the last fifteen games, twenty eight points, nine rebounds, seven assists, one and a half steals, two and a half threes. This is Julius Randle. You know, like three years ago he was just a double double guy who would just bang and would when he threw up a three, you'd go, Oh, what's he doing? You know he's making two and a half threes a game, shooting close to forty percent, scoring twenty eight dropping seven dimes, you know, he's, he's really been inspirational. And I just think this would be a really, a really fun matchup. Yeah, no, you're right. I, I had something similar, but not the exact um, two teams. Uh, so you can, you can jump into your nine, 10 before we can come across to me, but yeah, I, I think all the points you make are, are pretty valid there. I think it'll be, well, Charlotte and the Knicks only played the other day as well. Um, yeah. So it was good it to was... see those teams battle. It was for the most, well, this, mm. the first half was a bit of a points fest, but the second half sort of came back to earth with how potentially thought an, a Charlotte uh, Knicks game would go. And uh, mm. PJ Washington stroked it from deep early. Rosier got a yeah. little bit hot. Um, mm-hmm. Who else played Bridges well? For... has been good. Yeah, he has Bridges been great has been really since he left. Um, but yeah, I think in the end, it was just, I think the Knicks just kind of have too many guys uh, and they were missing well, they, Burks they, as well. So they could have had him they, in the fold as well. Barrett and Bullock shot the crap out of it in that game. Yeah, you know, Barrett not, never not, hits not something five you threes. Expect. No. I know. So they're getting these performances that you don't expect, the Knicks. And and I think the Eros ended up with um, 17. He had 10 in the fourth. So he was he was a clutch player for them. They're, they're really getting it done. I like, what, I like what the Knicks are doing. Yeah, no, definitely. Do you, do you have a 9-10? And then how you think how you who you think will then end up with the seven and eight seed winning those two games? I think the hand might have been forced by injury because Washington, their team is on the rise. They've won five out of their last six. Um, they've got Russ and Beal in the lineup right now. And the reality is that Chicago don't have Levine in the lineup. He's gone into protocols, gonna be out for another six to seven days, it seems like minimum. I think it seems like from what I've read, there's a chance he might have tested positive, which is not which is not good. I just don't see Chicago really being able to win any games without Levine. You know, I like their team overall and the the pieces they've added in in um, at the trade deadline. But if they don't have Levine, it's going to be tough for them to to win more than they Excuse lose me. down the stretch. And I expect Indiana to be in there. I, well, the reason I put the Knicks down is because I kind of expect Boston and Miami to to have a superior run in the last 15 games than, than the Knicks, yep. dropping the Knicks down into the seventh seed. And then I think Washington do get over Chicago and make it into that playoff. Yep. And then I probably think that Washington could, could take care of a team like Indiana because I just read yesterday that Miles Turner is not looking good. It's not looking like we're going to see him for the rest of the season. He's, he's done a toe injury. He's got a plantar tear in his big toe. So right. he's indefinitely out. Sabonis has missed the last couple of games with a sore back. So he's playing through injury. 
at the moment. Jeremy Lamb's injured, Doug McDermott's injured. Um, and we know we've seen the struggles of Levert. So I'm not convinced by anything going on in Indiana right now. I think it's more likely that Washington will would beat them in a one-off game. And then it would come down to um, probably Charlotte and, and Washington for that last spot. Yeah, well, now this is where we start to to hit on the same. So, look, my 7v8 is Miami's in the 7th seed for me. Charlotte's in the 8th seed. Um, I think Miami win that. Just playoff. The playing game is just... uh, I think it'll be quite similar to the playoffs anyway in terms of how the game goes. It slows down. It'll be tougher to get open looks. Things will be more physical. That plays right into an experienced team like Miami's hands. So I think they take care of business with that and secure the seven seed. And then um, I've got the same. So I've got Pacers finishing ninth and I think Wizards jump and they finish 10th. So I have the Wizards winning that game. So it's Wizards v Charlotte. And then it's hard to go past, uh, again, the the Wizards just with Russ and Beal in that playoff. In in a one game scenario, you just know that Westbrook's going to have his imprint all over the game. He's not going to go down easy. No way. Yeah, no way. So I couldn't pee against them. Um, So similar to you, I have Chicago missing out. So they have the hardest remaining schedule out of the the teams that are currently between the seven and 11 seed in the East. Um, Chicago have the hardest. They 12 of their 15 games are against opponents that are 500 or better to finish out the season. So, I mean, the start to today's game hasn't been great against, uh, the Cavs, I saw they're down Ooh. double digits at halftime. I think Jesus. they scored 14, 12 points or 14 points in the first quarter alone. So Chicago definitely are in a bit of strife. And Vooch tried to get away from Orlando and all those injuries. You know, for, for how long was it just Vooch and crap with Orlando when yeah. they got all those injuries? And now it's, for the most part, you Vooch lose and Levine crap. and Vooch and crap. So it's almost like he's, he's transferred <laughs> from... Orlando to uh, Chicago. I mean, they, they got a really it's, nice win against Boston, but mm. I, I just can't see them being able to, to do too much, as you already say. If it, if it is COVID with Levine, then that's not... He's back to his normal it, self in a week. We know the after effects. It's, it could be a two, three, maybe even a month it takes Levine to get back to his normal self. We know uh, Tatum now says he uses an inhaler or a puffer before games, and he didn't before having COVID. So... There's some after effects that can really have an impact on players for much longer than, you know, the, the two or three weeks they actually get COVID. It's got a sting, you know, that's just worst possible timing for him to be Terrible out timing. And yeah. awful. And, you know, he's not even actually injured. You know, it's just a virus that he's caught. So very frustrating for Bulls fans. But, you know, they could have made some noise in the play-in, I think. But if not, they're looking forward to next year. I think they're in a better spot than they were six months ago. Yeah, super valid. Um, the only thing I'll throw in, Dust, mm-hmm. I, I really hate that I'm saying this, but Toronto are half a game behind the 10 seed. So I'm definitely not a believer, but shit, it, they're definitely worth keeping an eye on because they've obviously sucked this season. But if, you know, now that Freddie is back and Kyle Lowry's back and I think Siakam's back today, yeah. Um, based on everything we know about the Raptors team and who their coach is and, you know, the fight and the never say die attitude, it wouldn't be shocking at all if they just make one last three week push to see if they can get to the play in and then anything can sort of happen. Um, would, would you be surprised? Um, I would be a little bit surprised, but, uh, I think 
we come down to um, I, I checked a bit of the Toronto game this morning before. Good to see Larry back out there. Yeah. He's the guy that'll make the difference. If he plays a lot of the games down the stretch and they get into a rhythm, it'll be because of his leadership and his kind of his alpha dog play and kind of pushing them to win. Uh, they're not a team that I would want to see in a, in a playing game, but something that will be very interesting in the playing game is what will be kind of the weight of home court advantage. You know, in a one-off game, it could mean a lot, you know, especially if they've, if you're a stadium with with 50% or more capacity, you could really see, you know, guys kind of shun away from the pressure and, and feel that pressure out on the court when it's a playoff game and everything's to play for and the crowd's extremely loud and, and you're down and things aren't going your way. So uh, I look for that to be important. And I guess in that sense, it kind of works against Toronto because even if they did get in, they would probably almost definitely be playing a road game, but they don't really have any any home court advantage. And I think that's just another thing that I don't really believe. I guess that Toronto can make a lot of noise this year because it's just been one of the years from hell. And sometimes you just you just got to say that it hasn't been our year and we'll, we'll try again next year. Yeah, so it's a, it's a great way to, to sum up their season. It has really been the year from hell. Um, everyone kind of freaked out at the start of the season. I was one that was included in that. Um, you were much more on the side of, no, they can, you know, bring things back, veteran team. Um, they won't let a, you know, a two-week two poor period uh, really determine their season. But then they got hit with COVID as hard as anyone. So that really uh, put a hole in their season for sure. Um, the West. So I'm happy to kick things oh. off. This, this is where things get really, really juicy. Um, yeah. So my seventh seed is Golden State. Um, seventh seed? My seventh seed is Golden State, us. So, well, are the Mavericks pushing up into six now, are they? No, the, the Mavs slide to eight. So <laughs> Wow. The, the, reason, the reason why, That's so Golden, Golden State have the easiest remaining schedule out of these four teams. So they only play five teams that are 500 or better in their last 15. Uh, Dallas, Dallas is pretty easy. Dallas well. sit just behind them. So Dallas is six out of their 15 or 500 or better. So um, I just think the way Steph's playing, I think he can continue it for at least another week to 10 days. Not necessarily, not necessarily saying he drops 10 threes a game, but I think he can still hmm. consistently be a pretty dominant 30 plus point scorer a game. Um, they're starting to get, some guys back in terms of Ubre is now back in the lineup and he's actually been coming off the bench. Um, so they've, they've Good. put Kent Bazemore into the starting lineup and now uh, Kent Bazemore brings a little bit more stability. You know what you're going to get. He's got experience with mm -hmm. playing with Steph in the past, pretty reliable player. Yeah. And Ubre can just not necessarily be a gunner off the bench, but he can kind of uh, come in and, and really try and make the most of being up against other teams, second units so I kind of like the way they've been trending. I'm a little bit of, uh, you know, just give me a reason to see more Steph. Um, mm -hmm. So no those are the two for me. Um, seven, eight. I then have, um, I actually have Golden State winning that. I think Golden State beat Dallas in a 7v8. Um, and then my 9v10 is Memphis v Spurs. So um, with Memphis, God, they're so good on the road um this season it's mm. actually been pretty scary compared their their home to road record is quite surprising um i think they're 16 and 11 on the road and they're barely 500 yeah. at home this season so 
Um, I do like Memphis's ability to uh, potentially have a bit of a, a good run to finish off these last um, these last two weeks, two three weeks of the season. Coming up against the Spurs, for me, I know you can get anything from the Spurs. Um, they have had some some pretty good wins as of late, but uh, yeah. at the end of the day, I think Memphis will be just a little bit more desperate. They obviously had the heartbreak of being so close to the playoffs last year. Um, mm. So I think they managed to sneak by the Spurs in a really tough game. And then Dallas v Memphis for that eight seed. And this is where I think Dallas win. So mm -hmm. I think it's going to be another heartbreaker for Memphis. Uh, look, they get Jaron Jackson back today. It looks like he's going to return against the Clippers. So that's great news for Finally. them. Finally. Um, but I think it could be a little bit of, uh, you know, too little, too late for them. Obviously, Jaron Jackson is going to need to come in and, you know, if the play-in is less than a month, he's going to need to come in, find his feet, really get firing because there's just not a lot of time on his side, not a lot of time on Memphis' side. And as good as a story as Memphis has been, I think mm. when it gets to the playoffs and, you know, times get tough and people are going under all these screens and letting Ja Morant shoot and, mm. you know, really making life difficult on uh, JV, who's been by far the, the most consistent player this season, you're then going to have to look to a few other guys like, gosh, you know, I've mentioned him a lot, but if you're going to need to yeah. look to Dylan Brooks to do some perimeter scoring. He's does, balling of late. That, puts you, that of puts you in a bit of a hole. So this is where the Jaron Jackson junior side of things needs to come. He needs to come I, in and, and be ready to go. Um, but mm -hmm. I, I think it's, sure. it's asking too much. So Golden State yeah. uh, get the seven seed, Dallas get the eight seed is the final result for me. I'm, we're, we're very similar. We're, I'm right on board with what you're saying about, about Memphis. I think they're probably the, the key team in this little, in, in what will be the play-in. I think I think you're pretty off your head if you think the Mavericks are going to slip <laughs> out of the seven seed. Yeah, they will. Seven seed. You we're, guys we're have, healthy. You guys are sucked. We're healthy right now. You we're guys healthy. have we've sucked. had a bad run, but we're healthy, and I think we're about to make a, a another run as we as we close the season. Luke is primed for it. He's been playing well, but in terms of of Memphis, I think in this little bracket, the team you definitely don't want to see is Golden State. I don't expect. I don't expect Golden State actually to, you know, I think the regular season is as well as Curry's been playing right now. You know, they, even these games where he is absolutely incredible, sometimes they don't win that game. Like they need, they need so much more scoring from all the other guys for them to, to win more games than they're going to lose in the next 15. So I think there's a chance even that Curry gets a rest in one of the, one of the games towards the very end of the season, because they're going to need 47 and a half minutes out of him when it comes to the playing game. Like there'll be no time to rest. They need him out on the court. So I still think the Mavericks will, will get there, but then it becomes an extremely interesting matchup. You know, even I think Memphis versus Dallas, that's no, definitely no guarantee for the Mavericks. No, it's not. That. I think it's not. I, I, I really like how Memphis have been playing as some of the stuff you just mentioned. Important to note. Yeah. Valentunas has been, incredible of late in his last 15 he's absolutely bloody killing it 25 points 12 rebounds two assists one and a half blocks on 70 percent shooting in the last in the last 15 games he's shooting 70 percent for 25 points and 81 at the free throw line so he's been killing it 
important thing about him is is I didn't realize this until only the day before. The reason he missed that last game is a bit of concussion. So that's a bit of a scary thing because they're no chance without Valentunas, I don't think. They've just got, um, you know, they just don't have enough depth. But I have liked what I saw from Xavier Tillman. I think he's a, a nice little rookie. He's a good pickup for them. Uh, interesting. I just, I agree that there's, I like Jaron Jackson Jr., but it just doesn't feel like there's enough time for him to get a rhythm. Like, you wouldn't want to be starting him and playing him 25 minutes to see, to let him get his legs under him. Like, you need to win all your games. You need to be playing your best basketball right now. So, it's tough for the coach. And I think you will have to make some tough calls to bring him off the bench. Um, when you speak about the depth and how, how their random rotation of, of wings in Memphis at times looks, looks really good because all of them can do a little bit. And other times it's like, who can we rely on in a clutch moment where we kind of like all these guys, but who's our guy? The way, the way Memphis has been balling right now, Grayson and, Grayson Allen and D'Anthony Melton were huge in that game against Denver. They're both shooting close to 40% from three. And Dylan Brooks over the last 15, 21 points a game on 48% shooting. So he's having one of his best stretches of the year. So I like what they're doing. And I think you're exactly right that all of this is all well and good when it comes down to a playoff game, when it comes down to the crucial moment. Jar Morant makes all the big plays. and he made some huge plays in that game against Denver, that double yeah. overtime, but he also mucked up a couple of crucial possessions where it was his to take. And the shot that was there for him was the wide open three. You know, they go under that screen and he still wants to hezzy jerk, try to get to the basket. And the reality is that he, he still can get to the hoop. But something that kind of is is important about, about Jar's game is he needs to have the confidence to take that that shot at the end of the game to, yeah. to win it for him. You know, he needs to be able to shoot that jump shot and as, as good as he is getting to the basket, his season free throw percentage, 73%. You know, it's it's in Luca territory. I think Luca's 75 or 76. What's up with you know, that? These two guys, yeah. you know, and for the season, Jar's only, only making one three a game. So he really doesn't feel confident shooting that. And I think that's probably going to come to a head in a, you know, playing game scenario. When I talk about the whole playing game in general, you know, uh, you want to? I want to see Golden State. Everyone wants to see them, particularly in an elimination game. You know, whether it's that first one against the Spurs, which I reckon it will be them and the Spurs in the first one. I reckon the Mavs will have to grind out a super tough game against Memphis, and then I think that Memphis will go out in straight sets. I think they'll get folded by Golden State in that in that um, that winner versus loser matchup. Okay, interesting. So we both settle on the the same thing, just a different order. Um, the, the reason why I kind of guess do drink a little bit of that Golden State Kool-Aid is um, I look at that Denver game where Denver uh, lost by double digits to the Celtics. They kind of blew it. The home game mm-hmm. was an early tip. And then they played the next night in Golden State and Steph dropped, was it 50? Or he was very close to 50 anyway. 47. Yeah, 40, or 47 or something in that game. And that was a, a key example of, of one of those games where it's like, Steph just beat us. So there's always mm-hmm. that. Um, yes, you can look at something like the Boston game where Steph also had a huge night, but Tatum had a huge night. And so that kind of ruled each other out. And in the end, Boston were able to, to get it done. So there's, there's no, I think no there's a case. That one. Yeah. So I, I, I do get your point how if Steph doesn't, if Steph has a huge game, 
then they're not even guaranteed to win. But uh, I think there is some results that have shown that Steph can literally single-handedly take him to uh, take him to a victory. So it does you know depend on matchup. Can, yeah, you're going to say Luca. Yeah, you're going to say Luca. Yeah. If he if he has a hot week, then we'll be talking about Mavericks pushing in. You know. Guaranteed yeah. seven seed, so, I reckon. Yeah, a, a lot of this comes down to how teams go in these final three weeks. Like, this is in very important 15 games. Like, and as you say, Absolutely. a lot can change in a week, a lot can change in 10 days. So, and you know, injuries are playing a big part in it right now. You're right. You know, if your team's healthy, you've got a big leg up. If, you, if you're betting on games and stuff currently, you need to really be locked into those injury reports because people seem to be coming in and out uh, so frequently, uh, late scratches all over the place. So, um, yeah, it's going to be like that down the stretch as well. Um, I know the Clippers are resting a lot of their guys for today's game against Memphis as well. So it's kind of a, a must well, win today for Memphis anyway, because they're, they've got most of their guys. And, you know, mm-hmm. Memphis in the next four games, three of them mm-hmm. against Portland. They play Portland three times in the next week. In, in a week. That's bizarre. They, they don't play them three times in a row. They play them twice in a row. Then they play Denver and then they play Portland for a third time. That that must be at least one game being made up. It must be a back to back that they were they were planning on playing, and they've had to add another one to make up for a COVID loss. That's what it's got to be. I'm I'm not too sure, but yeah, I think the one key thing I'll add to it is that the Memphis side of things, I I would probably trust the Anthony Melton in there at that at that two guard spot more than a Grayson Allen. I mean, you saw Grayson Allen in a big moment against your Mavs, missed both free throws, left the door open for Luca. And uh, got also, punished. That, so. that Denver game that I've referenced about three or four times now in overtime. Yeah. In overtime, Grayson Allen made a great steal, fast break, went for a big left-handed dunk, missed it. Campazzo slapped it in off off Grayson Allen's back. Come down the other end, Barton hits a three, and then we go on second overtime and they lose. So you know, it was. It feels like every time Grayson Allen has a hot shooting streak, he's about to do something dumb. Dumb, and for yeah. me, that's that's enough for me to go. All right, I need to t- trust someone else in the clutch moment. Yeah, so I think it's not a bad spot to have a guy like Melton who can be a secondary playmaker, ball handler, and he can uh, he can also shoot himself, shoot much better than than Jai anyway. So I think if you're running with some sort of lineup, uh, well then that makes it really interesting. I think it's dependent on matchup. Then if you have uh, Jar, say Melton at the two, you then have mm-hmm. Brooks at the three. Who do you then have at the four? Depending on the matchup, do you have Jaron Jackson at the four, JV at the five? Do you have Kyle Anderson at the four, mm. Jaron Jackson like- at the five? How, how do you sort of finish? I, I, I think that's a fascinating part to their team as well. For sure. No, they've, they've gone with Anderson a lot and I think he's been very stable for them. Um, but if, if, if Brooks isn't hitting outside shots... Kyle Anderson's not a prolific shooter. You know, you need to make sure whoever that other guy is is stretching the floor because otherwise they're just not getting enough enough outside play. Yeah, yeah, agreed, definitely. Um, and I looked as well to see. Uh, so the Pels are three and a half games behind the tenth seed, but I I'm done with the Pels. They suck. They won't make up that ground. Yeah. Um, nah. So I was kind of look at them and and kind of be like, oh, you know, Toronto could potentially push in for the East. Maybe the Pels in the West, but you look at a couple of last couple of games for the Pels. It's like their their second best player behind Zion's been Najee Marshall for the last two or three weeks. So that should <laughs> I should tell you everything you need to know. For? Yeah, who he played oh, for. Man. So he's been he's been super reliable. Um, if Ingram goes down, he's a pretty quality fantasy pickup as well. Um, 
because he slots in there quite nicely. Yeah. Does a bit of playmaking as well. Had seven assists off the bench against Brooklyn yesterday. Um, so pretty underrated. Okay, so that kind of wraps things up. But I, again, Darcy and I have said all of these things, but we could be here this time next week and the scenario has changed again. So um, this, is, this is why it's going to be an exciting finish to the season because as much as we like to think we have an idea of how it's going to end, there's still so much uncertainty, which is, you know, it's the beauty of it. Um, I think in, in, in particular, the East has a lot of uncertainty because yes, at the beginning at the beginning of the season or even in the All-Star break, do you think that you've got Atlanta in the fourth seed and the Knicks in the fifth seed? Uh, that's just completely and utterly <laughs> bizarre. Atlanta played it's the bizarre. Knicks today as well, which is another good game. Should be a good matchup. And yeah, Miami who are in that seventh seed, they're only two games behind fourth. So, you know, Miami, if they were able to get their shit together a little bit, get um, Butler back on the court, they could they could be a home court team. It's a lot tighter in the East in terms of being able to jump spots with about three wins in a row. Yeah, I'm I'm off Miami for the record. They just don't have enough scoring. That's why they clearly made the Oladipo trade to get another score in there. And it sucked the timing Shame. that now he's injured, but... Um, he's indefinite, so that's not good news for, no. for Heat fans. The fact they can't put a time frame on his return is, yeah, it's it's worrying. Um, okay, so we mentioned a couple of times who he played for, but we're going to do guess that player. Um, you ready to go, Dice? Or may as well just get things cracking. Let's do it. Okay, so first player. So drafted fifth overall out of Kentucky. Hates Lonzo Ball. And the mm. final clue, he averages the most fourth quarter points in the league this season. Good nugget. And I saw that in the game yesterday. It's the Fox. Oh, Fox. Damn. Okay. Good, yeah. good get. Good get. Um, okay. Number two. Hopefully this one's a bit harder. Plays on a contender nice. in the East. He played a season in Detroit mm-hmm. before getting traded. And he's one of the most underrated wings in the league. Played a season in Detroit. God, I have a rush up on my... Detroit basketball. Uh, is there another clue in there? Is there one more little clue? Uh, there's not because with this guy, if Don't I gave him, if I gave another clue away, I feel like it would butcher it and just make it dead obvious. So just try and okay. narrow it down. Then if it's a oh, contender, Brucey Brown, it's Bruce Brown. It's Bruce Brown. Is it Bruce Brown? It's not. You can, no, it's not. Oh. You, you got one more guess. You can have one more guess, or maybe two uh, more guesses because this one's hard. A contender in the East. So plays on a contender in the East, played a season in Detroit before getting traded and is one of the most underrated wings in the league. Wings. Okay. Uh, What about... I can't think. Is he a Philly player? No. Okay. I'm out on it. I'm out. I'm not sure who we're talking about here. Brucey Brown was my best guess. Okay. So it's Chris Middleton. Middleton played for Detroit? Yeah. Played his first season in Detroit. Unbelievable. That's yeah. a good one, Chris. And then got traded right away. So credit to Detroit. He's definitely Idiots. underrated. Yeah. Um, I th- Okay. So final one. Um, spent his career as a big playing with two teams that had an extremely ball-dominant guard. He's from Switzerland, and he has a terrible free-throw shooting percentage. 
the league leader in rebounds, Clint Capella. Yeah, for sure. Well, I knew Which I needed is, to take one of those out, but I couldn't think of which Clint probably, to take out. He's the only he's the only Swiss player I think in the league. So. Is he? I thought there was another one. Yeah, maybe he's, there's some Belgium or French guys or something. Yeah, he's he's having an incredible season statistically. You know, he's he's eating glass like like no one we've ever seen, and yeah. two goal percentage through the roof, blocking almost two shots a game. He's basically exactly what every team needs from their starting center. He's doing exactly what you want him to do. Don't yeah. you, you, we don't need to find you the ball? You just you'll get it underneath the basket for dunks. That's it. And then you do all the rebound, all the dirty work for us. He's, yeah, he's been integral to them being in the four seed. Yeah, and now John Collins is back. That'll help. Bogdanovich has been playing well um, since he's been getting a lot of that that two spot. Herder had a couple nice games as of late. Um, and Lou Will has, well, has done his Lou Will things a, a few games as well, where he's come in and given them double digits off the bench to so just give them that extra kick. That you know, you, they sometimes have it, some some poor nights from their backcourt. He's there to it, help out. It would be funny if if they got to the playoffs and Lou Will started balling, and then he was playing great on defense and just being a big force. That'd be very interesting for the for the Clippers to see him thriving on a different team. But one thing I wanted to touch on was what are your thoughts on on Rondo and his impact already in the Clippers? Well, they haven't lost since he's played, right? Uh, I yeah, think they, I they, think he's got they a grind it out a game. Oh, they they lost. Yeah, so they've lost. My bad. They lost to Philly, but other than that, they've won every game that Rondo has played in. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it might be a nine and one record or a ten and one record, something like that. So he's you've been able to see his uh, just IQ to that team anyway. Comes in, just really knows how to set him up, and it's the the it was the issue they had. The Clippers had. They didn't have 100%. a point guard that was a point guard. Every guard they had mm-hmm. was sort of scoring or didn't really understand how to set up teammates or find Kawhi where he wants to be found or set up Paul George yeah. with any pin downs or, you know, back screens or, or find Zubach down low to get him, you know, going, get him mm-hmm. active, him hungry. And he, Rondo hasn't even played with Ibaka yet. So um, that's, the, another, that's another pick and pop that could destroy teams in the playoffs. We know playoff Ibaka. For like, sure. Playoff Ibaka and I playoff think, Rondo. The, the eye test tells me that he's their third best player already you know like like he makes winning plays you know he sets his teammates up he'll shoot when he needs to and he can still knock down that three ball he showed how well he, he shot it for the lakers in their their run to the championship yeah but yeah that it, it's kicked off another spot in their clutch lineup in their closing lineup you know yeah. like he's the defender he's the organizer they've got the two amazing all-star wings they've got ibaka in the center now it's just a matter of whose night is it between you know Morris or Batum or I know who else I got there, Terrence Mann, if he's having a game or Canard, you know, I think they've, they've really shored up their team a little bit. And did notice that, uh, that Ka- Kawhi is sitting out another game for a, uh, for a foot injury, which um, I think he's missing the next week. Yeah. They, he's really sore. So he's taking some time off. So that's, that's not a great sign. Yeah. Reevaluated in a week for soreness, but on the positive note, Paul George has been really healthy and he's been killing it, absolutely yeah. killing it. Last 15, he's averaging 33 points, six rebounds, six assists, one and a half steals, 4.33s a game over his last 15, shooting overall 53% from the field and 90 at the line. So quietly, Paul George is having probably the best stretch of his career right now. And if Kawhi can get back healthy with Rondo, 
hopefully Ibaka can get over his back injury and get back in. Clippers starting to, you know, if they have a good couple of weeks here, they become a, a genuine contender. Yeah, so they're not getting a ton of shine. And I get it. People have, you know, the memory of how they went in the bubble. And so they're hesitant to mm. put any, you know, they're my championship pick label on them. Um, but I think different team. I think you can start to really yeah. evaluate them a lot different now that they have a Barker in, they have Rondo in. There's, there's been a fair bit of turnover. I don't know how much of the staff Ty Lu changed from when Doc was there, but I, th- I think as well, people can overlook um, that scenario. There's a lot of things that played out in the bubble that wouldn't normally happen in, you know, a normal situation where there's, you know, you're in an arena, it's packed out with fans, you're on the road, all of this sort of stuff. So potentially you can look, look at that as just a, a one-off. I, I would like to think that anyway. And, and I think the Clippers are much more of a threat than I've noticed a lot of people are, are giving them credit for. And, and it would Great. not surprise me at all if it's the Clippers there in the Western Conference Finals. Like, no, I wouldn't be shocked. The, I think that there's a lot of... Uh, well, Kawhi's a free agent at the end of this year, I think, anyway. I think he can opt out. Yeah. But uh, all the talk has been he'll re-sign. But I think just understanding the moment, the situation, uh, I think... Did Rondo sign a two-year deal with Atlanta anyway? Or was it yeah. a one-year deal? Yeah. So Rondo's there on the Clippers next season anyway. But but I think mm-hmm. they understand the, the opportunity ahead of them. Like They can look at a team like the Lakers, Crosstown Rivals, unsure of how AD is going to be when he gets back, unsure of how LeBron's going to be when he gets back. And, uh, you know, that they can look at that and be like, now's our, now's our time. We've got to really like push hard. And they've put, they've played well enough and they've shown how good they can be at home as well. They've other than that disgusting Orlando loss a while ago, they've pretty much hammered mm. teams uh, at home and they've been pretty they consistent on the road. They're pretty competitive. Like yeah. you, there was a, I was a desperate Portland team yesterday, even without Lillard. And at, the Clippers could have mailed that in. They could have. They, they could have been like, that. you know what? They did steal yeah. that. So mm. um, there's, a, there's a lot of positives to take away from the Clippers right now. And I don't think people should be writing them off or I don't think people should immediately go, well, they folded in the bubble, so they'll fold again. I, I think that's harsh to, to label them that, uh, given mm. the, the, how, how the team currently is, is set up. It would. It's very interesting to see who who they match up against because they're so versatile. You know, they're mm. so versatile defensively. I think um, the Lakers obviously a mismatch for anyone, but but right now they would be going up. Against yeah, who would they? Portland. You know, against Portland. Interesting. And have to say, I think Portland right now would be a long shot to beat the Clippers in a seven yeah, game series. I agree. But you know, I like Portland, and I reckon that would be very entertaining to watch. But yeah, tough tough to see them them knocking over the, a consistent team as good as the Clippers have been this season. So I think when you look at the standings right now, they're one and a half games behind Phoenix. So there is a chance that the, the Clippers could actually get that second seed, which would make that first round um, series slightly easier. Yeah. So Clippers, yeah. Huh. I think that there's, there's not really a team that the Clippers uh, are scared of, I don't think. You know, everyone's a little bit scared of versus the Lakers, but... I think the the Clippers were prepared for that matchup last year and they wanted it. So I can't wait to see it. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. Again, it, it adds further to these next three weeks. We'll see how the seeding plays out, not just for those in the play-in, but, you know, how the top four feels out, how then, uh, you know, those five and six but seeds. Because I think the there'll be... A... In the West will be 
good so good. so good yeah but th there's there'll be so many people as well whoever currently is in the fifth and sixth seed no one wants that seven or eight seed you you want a guaranteed no. spot in the playoffs no one wants a situation where you could come up against a pretty hungry you know uh team fighting for a, a seed in the playoffs as well so portland did definitely be a pretty nervous team i think they get lillard back um for yeah. the Portland Hopefully play today, I think right. I think they get him back for the next game whenever they do play. So they're, they're going to need him firing. We've said it all season long. Nurkic needs to get back to how he was in the bubble. Maybe that's too much of a task, but he so far looked really bad. Cantor has been much better than him for the most part. Um, and then, yeah, I think that the main issue with Portland that we see is defense, right? They, they need to be able to stop teams. Yes, they're explosive. Yes, Norm Powell's another, you know, third guy behind yes. Damon CJ. Carmelo's, yes, Carmelo's, Carmelo's chucking. The clock back. He is he's, chucking. He's winding the clock back, though. They need it. They need the scoring. In yesterday's game, he absolutely chucked Das. I'd be, I'd, I know he had, I can't 18 remember. 18 attempts or something. Yeah, he might no have had eight, 18 shots to get 18 points. Powell wasn't getting anything going. Like No, Powell had a good Simons. game. Powell, Powell, yeah, had, Powell had 23. CJ had 28, but Mello had 18 points off the bench in 28 minutes, five of 18 from the field. <laughs> so he's like, a pig. We know that Mello's a pig, but at least he's embracing that role. And so is Portland embracing that role. Yeah. Okay, beauty. Well, that, that takes care of things then. Um, anything Good else stuff. you wanted to address? Watch out for... Um, Watch out for Anthony Davis making his return against the Mavericks tomorrow. That's um, Friday, our you, time. So You do play a couple games against the Lakers, don't you, actually? You yeah, play yeah. It would be good to get them without LeBron and AD, but we'll take them with just our LeBron. It'll be um, interesting to see. Davis says he's 100% healthy, so very interested to see um, to see kind of how that goes. An interesting little quote here from um, Rick Carlisle. He said after our... Our losing four of our last five, he reckons everything's on the table at this point to help the Mavs snap their losing streak. So he's saying stay tuned for potentially a, a change up in the starting lineup because I know that Kleber really has been struggling. He's ice cold from three. He's only shooting 32% from the field in his last 15. Tim Hardaway Jr.'s got a bit of an illness going on. Joe Rich, after having a nice little week, has completely cooled off again. So and I've also got a bit of question mark on what's happening with Trey Burke. I want to see him get some minutes before the season is up. But one more thing that um, move uh, a 10-day contract that got signed that might be interesting is um, Austin Rivers signed a 10-day with Denver. Good, good points. Yeah, so watching that Denver game, even though it was an epic that they 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 got the win in double overtime at home against Memphis, Campazzo played big minutes, lots of minutes. And he, mm. basically his job was just to irritate Jam Rant as much as possible and just get up in him and defend him. And to to be fair, he did a really, really good job. He um was crucial and critical in them winning that game. But uh it's tough to rely on, on Campazo for a lot of minutes, especially defensively with his with his size. And offensively, he was inept in that game. He was one of six from oh for six from deep, one for seven overall. So wow. he got to the point where he was just not shooting. So you can't play around Jokic as a point guard and not shoot the three. So we know that Austin Rivers can shoot and he can get hot. So I think we talked about it before that playing with Jokic, I think would be very easy to slot into that lineup. It'd be a lot of fun. He's going to get a lot of open shots. So I, I, I think this will have some positive fruits for Denver, getting Austin Rivers for a little bit. It'd be interesting to see how that works. There's definitely minutes for him. 
Monte Morris being out. Yeah, that's that's the key thing. I'm always most nervous for Denver games when Monty Morris isn't playing. Now um, mm-hmm. he's he seems to be just as important as as a lot of their their key pieces now. If well, he was already off the bench, but now the the Murray injury has really heightened that and uh, increased his his value and, and importance to that team. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, look, Compazzo's good. Like we, we do, we do, we do love. Still Compazzo, keep some minutes for him. But, we still want to see some minutes but, for him. Yeah, we're, we're not saying completely shut him out, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think Monty still needs to be given the, the the primary slot there, and then bring Compazzo in to just cause absolute mayhem and chaos in playoff games. Get, irritate, be the you know the South American TJ McConnell that we've said, or, you know, have, have that, have that Pat Beverly like grit. Um, yeah, that's, that's definitely a, a, will be a huge help for the, for this Denver team as they head down, head down the stretch. It's just hard to see Denver having enough without Murray to score. Like as well as Jokic could play an incredible game, have a 30 point triple double. but how are they going to get to a hundred, you know, unless they're going to lock teams down defensively, I don't think they have enough to win a series, no matter who it's against in the West. Well, it's a good point you bring up because their main issue last year in the in the bubble was how do we stop AD? Yes, we have Jokic and Murray, but but how do we stop that? They tried everything. They tried putting Grant on him. They tried Millsap on him. They they tried. Bumley. They tried so much. Yeah, that they basically tried to put everyone on him except Bobo. They didn't give Bobo a chance, which I think is pretty rough. But um, uh, they 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 threw the kitchen sink at the Lakers to try and stop AD, and he still went berserk on him. It, he's a tough matchup to be able to find. So maybe, well, I mean, you want Aaron Gordon on LeBron. So I still don't know who they put on. I still don't know who they. Porter, surely you wouldn't put Porter on AD. Yeah, that... you don't want you don't want that. But they can throw Drummond out there as well now with AD and LeBron. So <clears throat> Lakers, they're looking very formidable in the front line if LeBron comes back healthy. Yeah, you you might even need to put a Jermichael Green or something off the bench and start him and put him on AD just to try and be physical and okay. stretch the floor on offense. I'm I'm not too sure. A guy they need they need big minutes from a guy who. Denver need who can actually do something who can show that he's up to it is is Dozier TJ Dozier because he's good, kind of a tall ball. yeah like point guard shooting guard who had some big minutes for them in that series against the Lakers a year ago in the bubble so mm. yeah big op- huge opportunity for him to potentially show that he's he's up for it in the playoffs but it, it's a big ask yeah yeah okay well that's perfect that's where we'll leave things so we'll be back in the next week to do another one. Um, again, the key theme here is so much can change between now and when we next do the pod. So that'll probably determine what, what we go over. I'm sure news will create itself like it always does. The NBA never seems to disappoint. So there'll be always plenty of talking points as we head into you know, the stretch run here to finish out the regular season. Things will, things will get tight. Things will change. Players could get injured. Players could be back. And now probably what you mentioned at the start as well, speaking about Charlotte and their playing scenario and LaMelo Ball's back. He's probably going to win Rookie of the Year now if he can come back and play the final 10 games or something, for example. Edwards has been hot, though, as well, even though we, we've called him a chucker here on this show. But uh, <laughs> they're playing better basketball overall, which is which is helping his case. Yep, it is true. They are, uh, picking, they are picking up some more wins. Halliburton's yeah. definitely slid off. Rookie Wall potentially has hit that because he started off with a real bang, Halliburton, and you know pushed into the starting lineup. And now mm. he's he's... 
been pretty disappointing for the the God, at least since the All-Star break. He seemed to be pretty quiet. I'm not sure if I mean, that's the move of bringing in Darrell Wright and or DeLon Wright, sorry, yeah. just another guard that potentially sure. does similar things to what Halliburton does and maybe pushes Halliburton to be a bit more of a shooter, which isn't necessarily his strength, even though he can do it. But yeah. to, me, to me, that made absolutely no sense. Like you had Corey Joe, like a, like a bona fide solid third string point guard, and you bring in a young, probably second string, maybe even a starting point guard in DeLon Wright when you've already got Fox and you got Halliburton, like another puzzling move from Sacramento that just makes no sense. I feel like Halliburton's probably feeling like you and me. He's just fed up with the lack of direction and the lack of, you know, what are they doing, Sacramento? Like, and I hate losing as well. So I don't blame him for having a bit of a slide here. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll, we'll be back next week. We'll discuss everything. Um, but for now, enjoy the NBA. Seems to be awesome matchups on pretty much every day, every second day. Um, Chock a block. Yeah. So, uh, Hopefully this time next week, for your sake, Das, Mavs will pick up some wins, be on a winning streak. Embiid can get some statement wins for my boys. Uh, Simmons and Tobias. Tobias can get back healthy. Saw a lot of people saying that that very convenient that Ben misses today's game up against Booker. Like, no, he's not scared, mate. I'm sure there's a proper reason. (laughs) I know Booker's cooked him a lot and there's the, you know, Kendall Jenner history, but like Ben's not scared of, of Devin Booker. I don't think he's scared of anyone, but he's probably scared to take a three-point shot. That's one thing. Yeah, that is, of. he is scared of that. Yes, very <laughs> true. Yeah. One, one little bit I had here as well. You got to keep an eye out on Fiable while he's getting some minutes because he might be playing on the Australian Boomers team in the Olympics. He yep. threw down a monster dunk. Did you see that? He threw down a windmill for the, the ages, windmill. and yeah. that that just to remind you that this guy is like African American athletic. Like he is an NBA-level athlete. So I want to see more of Matisse Thibel. Shout out to the Aussie for a big jam. Yeah, well, I think he's top five in steals, yet he's only playing 20 minutes a game off the bench. So it's like, how is that? How's that fair? He's a magnet. Defensive he, magnet. Yeah, he, he leads. I think he leads leads in league. Does he lead the league in deflections? He's somewhere there. You always know he's around there, but there would be blocks, steals, deflections, uh Shots contested, all of those stats. Thibel is is up there. He's he's if he can really take ownership on and improving his offense a little bit more and get consistent minutes, then he's about as good a shout as anyone as well for someone who could be a future defensive player of the year because he does just about everything you want to see. Um, yeah. Certainly, have been some questions with how does he go defending like a Tatum one on one and all of that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But th- those guys are super hard to defend anyway. Um, but yeah, that's something to watch and evolve. And as you say, that the key link there being now that he's going to suit up for the Boomers in uh, what is it, two months' time in July or three months' time? Um, yeah, come around very quick. That'll that'll be uh, that'll be great. Hopefully, Aaron Baines can get back to playing like a normal human as well, and not be not be this Hopefully. like bum he's been in Toronto. That's been that's, that's almost been one of the subplots of the season. that has been so disappointing. If Baines continued how he was playing in Phoenix with this Raptors team that now clearly needed someone to fill the Ibaka and Gasol gap. Yeah. They could be completely different, but. Definitely. I, yeah. It sucks for those, for those Australians who haven't had that bigger role. Mills had a pretty strong season. So is, so is Ingles. Yep. But Jingle, Jingles being yeah. good. Yeah. Disappointing for some guys broke off out of the league, you know, Dante, a couple of shining moments at the very, very beginning for Cleveland. Now another wasted season. Delhi, 
missing so much time with concussion on on a non-winning team. So hopefully these Aussies, those ones who are still going to be there in the playoffs, will be keeping a, a keen eye on them. Also, shout out to um to Shyla Heal getting drafted number number five overall in the yes. WNBA draft. Yes, Sydney girl. So yeah, uh, good 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 to see the Australian Hoopers getting it done in the NBA. Yeah, and she's going to a pretty stacked Chicago Sky team as well because they just signed Candace Parker. So oh yeah. Um, pretty good situation to find herself in. I think Chicago, don't they already have Deladon as well? And a few other, well, they did have Deladon at one stage anyway. So they, the, the Chicago Sky were, were a pretty stacked team at one stage anyway, but I think the Candace Parker signing is a pretty big statement nonetheless. So pretty cool situation for, um, yeah, Charlotte to find herself in. Um, okay. Beauty. Um, right. we'll, we'll leave things there. Um, thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, Darcy and I, we don't want to talk about locks too much because we both suck. Um, if no you've comment. been taking our locks, you're probably Sorry. broke. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're probably, yeah. Um, but we're still due. We're still due. Yeah. So maybe and, and we'll, like, we'll like, definitely, we'll definitely still release a playoff. A playoff picture, some yeah, you know, some I, best I, for the playoffs. I, I think when the playoffs roll around, Dars and I can start to really give uh, picks as well with a lot more certainty. We know the regular season such a crapshoot with how teams and players perform different on a night to night basis, and you're just much more uh, certain of what you're going to get in the playoffs. Um, you know, guys will be up for games, so yeah, stick with us. Uh, make fun of our picks if you want, but. Uh, you know, it will only take a, a week or 10 days for one of us to get hot and then we're looking at 500 or better. And uh, yeah, then we'll see who's laughing. So, um, yeah, boy. All right, Das. Let's end it on a good note. One Bang. for one. One for one. Mike Breen. Mike Breen. Um, okay. All Speak right, soon. Mate. Peace thanks, out. thanks for listening, guys. guys.